0: just great to meet together to be right here on Pitt's campus and we learned so many things about the University of Pittsburgh yeah. in the process. <laughs> they had a big win yesterday by the way, 77-7 Whoa. against the team it wasn't very good, but it doesn't matter, 77-7. We're talking about today. I believe, by the way, it was the great race today, which is why we met at 11:30. So hopefully that was a little more pleasant. Sometimes we don't start till 11:30 when it's the great race, even though we mean to start at 10:30. So it was nice to just go ahead and pivot there with the uh, the city. But I believe that it is in our nature as people to run. It's in our nature as human beings to run. And you might be thinking, <laughs> not me. I'm not a runner. And I don't necessarily mean exercise, but I think it's in our, our, our human DNA to, to face a situation and at times, there's a bird, um, at times to, to want to run away from said situation. And I think it's part of our uh, human tradition because we see it in our in our uh, media, we see it in our movies, right? Especially in, in kids' movies. Oftentimes what happens, and it's kind of remarkable to think across the board, that this is what happens in most Disney movies, right? There's There's a situation and then someone runs away, right? A a prominent version would be Lion King, right? Uh, Simba faces the the death of his father and he thinks he's responsible and what does Scar tell him? Run away and never return. You're like, oh yeah, I think I remember that movie. But he runs away. And finally Nemo, right? Nemo, he he, he, he disobeys his dad and he touches the butt or the boat, right? He he runs away from his father and the expectations. Elsa in Frozen. She has to let it go. She has to run away from her responsibilities and the problems she's causing. It's embedded in our DNA and what we've grown knowing because it's the human experience, that there's a part of us that longs for something different, right? The phrase is, the grass is greener on the other side. It's a popular phrase because we experience it as people, that we want to run towards something else. It's also part of many stories in the Bible. Moses, when faced with the fact that he had murdered somebody, flees Egypt and and runs off to um, to another part, runs off essentially to the desert and becomes a shepherd instead of the son of Pharaoh that he had been. Jacob runs away after he knows that he's he's really blown it with his father. He runs away from his family. And of course, King David, when he's faced with hard things, he has to run. He's forced to run after he's being pursued by Saul. It's all throughout the Bible, the idea of running. There's a lot of birds here today, so just be on guard, all right? Keep you on your toes. Amen. <laughs> I'm being in Disney movies and birds helping out or something like that, but that's not what we're trying to do here. But I believe that as people, not just as Christians, but as people, as the creation of God, we have a purpose that we've been destined for, but that there's part of us that pulls us towards a different destiny than the one that God has created us for. And we spend far too much time running away from the purpose of God rather than running toward it. So today we're going to look at the story of a runner. Let's pray for our service today, and then we'll read Luke 15. God, I'm so grateful to meet out here. I pray that you'll protect everyone from the birds as they're flying around. I pray for just a great time of fellowship, God, that we can dive into your word, come out with better conviction on what it means to follow you. God, and that we can have a great time of fellowship after We thank you so much for your word and how relatable it is to our lives. We love you and your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Luke 15, and we're going to pick up in verse 11. My name's James Rosenquist, by the way. I the, uh, my wife and I lead the church here in Pittsburgh. Oh, and I had some great news to share with you guys. So um, we had someone come in town a few weeks ago, Anthony Vines. He was coming, and he spoke a few weeks ago. He was actually interviewing with the church here, and we've officially hired him, and he's accepted the position. He's going to move up here and work for our church, which this is awesome. awesome. His, his main job is going to be to spread the news in the city of Pittsburgh, working with our young professionals and uh, with our campus students as well. And so we're really excited to have him here, and uh, he's going to come up in November, so we got some time to get ready and roll out the red carpet and everything. But it's always exciting as a church to, to be able to increase our staff, our full-time staff. So it's very exciting, and I wanted to share that with you guys. Anyway, Luke 15. <laughs> uh, Luke 15, starting in verse 11. It reads, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. You might be familiar with this story. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. (laughs) After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country, who sent him off to his fields to feed pigs. We talked about this last week. I told you we're going to be camping out in Luke 15 for a few more weeks here. All right. But what happens in this story is that the son kind of fulfills this thing that we talked about in the beginning, this desire to run away from his purpose. He tells his father, I want the inheritance. I want the money I get when you die. And right after that, it says that the father granted him his request. It says he divided up his property. What's cool, in the original Greek or Aramaic, the word for uh, property is the same word for life. The word bios. You're a bio major, you're a property major. You never even knew that, right? But uh, it means life. And so he doesn't just divide up his stuff. But in giving up his property, he's selling part of his property to give his son uh, the resources and money that he's asking for. He's actually dividing up his very life. And so the son's request here, he's he's tearing his father apart and saying, I want what I should get when you die. And the, the father grants him that request. And essentially the son is saying to the father you are not enough for me, I want something different. You see here an act of greed, an act of envy. This mindset that the grass is greener, he's plagued by discontentment. There must be something better for me out there. If I could just have blank, then I'll be happy. If I could just achieve this, then I'll be good. You see that mindset of discontentment can tear a person apart. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, in the Old Testament, Discontentment is spoken of as chasing after the wind. Real quick, as this breeze comes in, try to grab it. You you can't do it, right? You can't. You can feel the wind. You can pursue it, whatever. But you can't grab it. You chasing after the wind is a fool's errand. Seeking discontentment from something that can't, or seeking contentment from something that can't give you contentment, is also a fool's errand. So not only this, the sun finally leaves, and he goes and and participates in uh, in wild living. And we don't know what that means. We don't really need to know what that means. You might be speculating what that might mean. But the idea is that he leaves to go and do what he wants to do. Outside of the father's household, he is free to do whatever he wants to do. He's, he's ready to color outside the lines, right? He's like, I'm, I'm ready. I want to go off script. I want to I do whatever it is that I want to do. And again, I think there's part of us, we desire that. It has this semblance of freedom. I don't think it's actually free, by the way, I think it's actually enslaving to only do what it is we want to do. But we're drawn to this idea of doing what we wanna do. Elaine and I recently, I guess a year ago, bought a house, and I was very excited, we were excited to be homeowners, it's an exciting chapter in our life. And we were sitting around and we were like, man, I really want cake. You ever just want cake? Yeah. Right now. But you feel like, okay, if I want cake, that has to be like a special occasion, right? Maybe he's so. like, no, but it feels wrong But we were like, no, we're homeowners now. We can have cake whenever we want to have cake. And so we, we started a, uh, a monthly tradition of cake days so on the last Friday. Now it's the last Saturday of every month. We go out and get a cake and each of our family members take a turn to pick. Yesterday was my pick. We got a pumpkin roll cake. It was awesome. But the idea was, I want to do what we want to do. And we're like, oh, we can do it. No one, no one can stop us from eating cake. I don't know why I thought that only as a homeowner that no one could stop us from eating cake, but it, it doesn't matter. But we're drawn to this idea of I wanna do what I wanna do. And in certain scenarios, like cake day, that's not wrong, but in other scenarios, it becomes an optical illusion. Right, that what I, the thing I want might be the very thing that destroys me. You know, it's kind of like uh, lighting your own path, right? Imagine if you were a boat or, or a sailor out on the seas, right, and you, there's a lighthouse trying to say, stay away from here but instead you choose to follow the light from the very front of your boat, or the light that you're able to provide yourself. Well, the end result of that, if you ignore the beacon that's there warning you of the dangers that are around, the end result is that you could crash if you choose to quote unquote follow your own light. And so choosing to do what we wanna do doesn't equate happiness or contentment in and of itself. And in this story, it ends in bankruptcy. This young man goes and he, he squanders or he wastes all that he has in wild living and he's worse off than he was before. He thought he didn't have freedom before. Here, he cannot even eat the food that the pigs are indulging in. He experiences huge loss, consequences. There are things in his life at this point that he's done or seen that he can never undo or unsee, So the father was trying to protect him from these things, but he thought he knew better. And so what he experienced was bankruptcy. God's word tells us in Proverbs that if we follow our own will, a way that seems right to a man can be to death. So when we choose to do only what we want to do and ignore the Word of God, it ends in disaster. We don't always admit this, but this is reality in our world today. And by the way, this doesn't mean that if, if we do what we want to do or ignore God, that our life is going to be terrible. I think I grew up thinking that, right? And then you see someone's life that goes really well, that doesn't love God or isn't pursuing God, and you're facing challenges in your life, and you're like, the world, God. I thought we had a deal here, right? I follow you, you make my life good. Other people don't follow you, you make their life bad. Not that I wanted things to go bad, I just thought there was this formula. But we've got to let God's word decide, define what life going good and life going bad is. We can't let the ways of this world define what that is, right? And so the important thing is not that our life will go bad without God, but our life will be different than what God created us for if it is without God. Our life will be different than the destiny that we've been crafted for as God's creation. If we choose our own will, we will not end up where we belong. And where we belong is with God. And I believe that this is a normal part of the human experience. We've all experienced this idea of, of, of running from God. And, and probably if you're here today, at some point in your life, you said, Jesus is Lord. You've repented. We're baptized. I said, I'm going to leave that life behind. My well, wife calls you back at a certain times, So I implore you this morning to remember what it's like to be pulled out of one way of life and, and to say no to this lostness. That you've experienced on your own and i'm going to ask sasha to come up and share a little bit of her experience of being lost on her own
1: good person, a good Christian, um, and being around the Bible was just something I was like familiar with. We church talked a lot, and I felt like I never found a church where people weren't hypocritical. Um, I actually ended up having two bad experiences in two different churches where the people ended up bullying me in it so bad that we had to leave. Um, And then when my parents got divorced, it got really messy. The church that we were at ended up taking sides between my parents, and we also had to leave that church for that same reason so i really grew to resent god for these experiences and i think my experiences when i was younger really molded my view of who i thought god was like my parents getting divorced them fighting over child support and just being bullied in multiple churches just really turned me away from like wanting this relationship with god um and i thought I feel like I kind of tried the whole going to church thing when I was growing up, and it didn't really work for me. Um, and honestly, it left me like with more hurt than when I went into it. Um, so when I came to college, I told myself I was gonna have like a fresh start, like a new me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm gonna try this like life without God. I'm just gonna see how it goes. Um, and ironically, and as funny as God is, within my first week, um, I got randomly assigned a roommate, and she was like, you wanna study the Bible? Um, and I said yes because I like had a lot of church guilt. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I should do this. Like, you know, I kind of have to. Um, so while I was reading the Bible every week, I was also doing everything the Bible says I shouldn't be doing. Um, I'll just give some examples, like getting blackout drunk, hooking up with people, talking
0: Yes, but she'll be back up in a few moments to, <laughs> to finish the story you left on the cliff maybe. but I appreciate your vulnerability Sasha and I think this is this is things that we've experienced where we've wandered or drifted from God in different ways what we see in this story is that there was a cycle they kept kept going downward, right as he lost more and more he, he experienced more and more loss and then eventually the cycle is broken and I think that's our call this morning is breaking the cycle How does he break the cycle himself? He faces the truth, right? He comes to his senses. He opens his eyes to the reality, and it's not even the most spiritual reality. It's just, hey, I I could be a servant in my father's household, and things would be significantly better than what I'm facing now. Let me go home. Let me face the wrath of my father, and maybe, just maybe, I could be a servant, and life would be a little bit better than it is right now. But that took this realization of, I have made a mistake. I have done things the wrong way. It takes facing the music, facing the truth. He also has to refuse to play the victim. Say, okay, I'm not a victim. It could be easy to say, well, what had happened was, and I experienced this, and I experienced that, and to dwell in this excuse making, instead of making a decision for what he needed to do and what needed to be different. He says it right there, he says, I have sent, that that's his plan to say to his father, to own what has happened in his life. You know, for me, it's really easy in my life, uh, even currently, when I, when I sin or when I'm drifting from God, to rationalize and say, well, if you were in this situation, you would have done the same thing, right? And, and you, you need to know all, all the story, right? And, and let, me, let me say why what I've done is really not as bad as it might seem, right? And we try to rationalize. And that's the opposite of what we see here in this example. Coming to our senses is facing the truth and owning what is true and what is real. It takes personal responsibility right we can't control what happens to us but we can control our ability to respond to what happens to us so he chooses to do that he faces the truth right and his life lies were perpetuating his lostness but it was the truth that helped him open his eyes and come to his senses he has what i call a how did i get here moment right We, we, we experience those right you're looking in the mirror maybe you're lying lying awake at night, as, as Sasha shared, and you're just like, how did I get here? What, what degrees of compromise led me to this spot? And I, I've talked about this before, but oftentimes we think that with God, it's either we choose to follow God, and then we make one decision, and then we're not following God anymore. But the reality is that uh, the idea to stop following God consists of a lot smaller decisions and a lot smaller compromises when all of a sudden you're miles away from where you thought you were right? So the, the path to stop loving God involves to stop loving his people, right? And, and that's the beginning, right? If, we, if we're not loving the body, we're ignoring the head of the body who is Christ, right? And so there are things we can do that create these small compromises and all of a sudden we're far away from God. He has to come to his senses. I've shared this story before, but I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and over in the stockyards, they have a stockyard maze. You guys have corn mazes here. We don't have corn maze. We have stockyard mazes, which is really just... Wood, wooden mazes. right? So we had this huge kind of field when I was 10 years old. We got to go to uh, an open space with, with uh, very tall walls that you couldn't see over, which is how a maze works. And you're, you're wandering through, but they have spots in the maze where you can go up the stairs and you can get a different perspective. And, and so you can be lost in going through the maze and have no idea where you are. And sometimes if you've been in a maze, you think, I've never been in a maze. I don't know what he's talking about. But if you've been in a maze, you're in the spot and you're like, I, I think I'm right here. I think I'm right by the exit. And then you go up those stairs and you look out and you're like, wow, the exit's over there and I'm here. And we need this kind of how did I get here? What, what's the reality? We need to come to our senses and see things as they really are to really get a different perspective. My this is a critical part of the Christian journey. And not just a Christian journey. It's a critical part of the journey of life. To, to face the music. To face reality. If you're trying to live as a Christian, I think these come in different ways. Sometimes it just comes from facing the word of God. Reading your Bible, allowing a scripture to be shared with you, and listening to the voice of God saying something needs to be different in your life. It allows opening your life up to other people and letting people be the voice of the the prophet or prophetess to call you to live differently. Sometimes it involves being honest about what's going on finding a trusted friend, realizing that something's missing, or simply choosing to look at what is true versus what is hypothetical in your mind. Well, things could be this way, or things could be that way. Instead of doing research and facing the truth, like the sun exemplifies doing. But even in this story, coming to our senses or facing truth isn't enough. I'm sure he had other moments like that where he comes to his senses, but here is the changing thing. He comes to his senses, and what does he do? He gets up he goes to the fall coming to our senses ain't enough i know plenty of people who've come to their senses who've had these how can i get here moments but it stays there how can i how did i get here and then it becomes how can i stay here instead of how did i get here getting up and going to god and that would be my life if not for the people that god put in my life to give me that extra push right to give me that shove in the right direction so that i can start moving towards god without the involvement of people I would be stuck in the how did I get here moments in my life. And I'm inspired by people in this room, so many of you who've chosen. You know what? I need to get up and move. I've come to my senses. I need to get up and go towards God. And Sasha's going to share a little bit about coming to her senses and getting up and moving towards God.
1: hard sometimes. Um, And it still is hard. So I went to the Bible study that week, and for the first time, I was really honest with myself about what was going on in my life. Um, I I didn't go with, like, I didn't really know what I wanted. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to follow God. I was kind of just so upset from everything that happened that past week, and like that year, and even like from my childhood. And I was really upset, like, as to why God let these things happen. But I kind of realized, okay, I need to, like, give God a chance and see if this is something that I really want. Um, I didn't really want to be, like, half in, half out in my relationship with God anymore. So, growing up, I was taught all the rules of being a Christian, but I realized I was never really taught anything about God's character or who he is. And I feel like the scripture shows how God views us when we come back to him. Uh, so, in verse 20 of Luke 11, it says, So he got up and went to his father. I'm supposed to be like, he being me. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Honestly, I don't think I can read it any better. Um, But this is God's character, and this is how he views me and how he views you. And I like to think of myself as being a long way off, like when I was finding, you know, if I wanted to be with God, and figuring out kind of like what I wanted. Um, And I was unsure of how God would react. Like I was unsure if he would still want me. Um, But this is his reaction, and I learned that being a Christian is not about following a list of rules. Um, It's about being and living for God and just being in in his love and experience what what that is. Um, So it took me a while before, like when I realized this, it took me a while to kind of still decide if I wanted a relationship with God. And honestly, when I decided it was what I wanted, I don't think I 100% knew what I was getting into. Like I knew enough to know this is what I wanted, but like if I knew what was going to happen five years, how he's always
0: going to love you guys forever. Amen. Thank you, Sasha. So where are you now? Have you gotten up and headed toward the Father? I think this is meant to be a continual practice, not just a one-time, okay, when I was studying the Bible, I turned towards God, but I think right. it needs to be a daily thing where we come to our senses and realize our bankruptcy without God and get up and head towards God head towards and run towards the Father, or at least journey in that direction and let Him come to us, as we see in this story that Sasha just read. You know, He didn't need to fix His life before He started heading to God. He didn't need to undo all His hurt before going to to the Father. He just needed to head towards the Father. Sometimes we're delayed in thinking, I need to be a better person before I can approach God. That's not how it works. One, God hasn't gone anywhere. He's just like, turn around. I'm right here. And and now I'll journey with you in that direction. He simply went back to the father because he realized that's where he belonged. Before we kind of close with the father's reaction, i got to point out that there's more than just one lost thing in this story. It's not just the son or the the younger brother. But we also see it in the older brother. We're not going to read about that today because we're just going to spend all Sunday next week talking about the older brother. But what we see in this older brother right here is he he starts getting bitter. Basically, the, the younger son comes back and the father's excited and throws a party and the older son hears about it and he's like, where's my party? I've been doing all the right stuff. I've been, I've been hanging out. You're getting him the fat cap. I haven't even gotten a goat. I ain't got a goat in years, God. Where, where is it, right? That's, that's how he's feeling. And he's bitter. And in his bitterness, he stays outside of the celebration. He crosses his arms, refuses to go in, and throws a fit outside. Now he's the lost son who's outside of where he belongs to be. And the unthinkable happens. The father journeys outside of the party, which he's the host, but he leaves to go and plead with his son to come back in. That's the God that we have, that whether the lost son, the younger son, who's, who's off doing who knows what, as he's a long way off, the father runs out and wraps him up. But also the, the older son, who kind of represents the more religious people. By the way, you can be religious and be lost. You show up to church and be lost. You can read your Bible and be lost. We can go through the motions, be unwilling to wrestle with Scripture, be distant from people and from God. We can stay on the surface level. We can be judgmental. We can lean heavily on past discipleship or some camp experience that we had years ago and still be lost. And that's what this older son represents. It's not just the one who does the wild living, but it's the one who does the wild living in his heart as well. And yet God, who's the father of the story, pursues them both. The father runs to his son, wraps his arm around him, brings him back into the fold. The father goes out of the celebration and pleads with his son, come back in, all I have is yours. I'll give you whatever you want, I want you with me, because that's where you belong. God knows where you belong. Because God knows to whom you belong, and it's him. You belong with God. To dwell anywhere else is wrong. Because where we belong is with God. To dwell anywhere else is incorrect. It's not just a bad idea, but it's incorrect. It's not how you were meant to live. It's it's against the factory settings. We are meant to live with God and to dwell with Him. Some of you might need to hear this this morning. You have run enough. You have run enough. You don't need to keep running. Stop running away from where God is calling you and come back to God. Go back to where you belong. God desires you with Him. He knows without a doubt that no matter what's going on in your life that you can be with Him and He longs for you to be with Him. Whether you think you're messed up or too messed up or think that you don't need God, you are wrong. Whether you think you are messed up or too messed up, or don't think that you need God, you are wrong. Allow God to be enough. Say, enough is enough. I'm going to stop running and let God be enough in my life. With that in mind, I want to remark here that the way that God pursues us is through his son dying on the cross. It's not just this, hey, I, I love you. I'm working in your life. I'm doing these things. But he shows us he loves us. You might have heard this before you ever do the, you know, how... How much does do you love me? Is it this much? Is it this much? I don't know if you've ever done that, but God loves us this much. Putting his son on the cross, dying on the cross so that we can have new life in him. So I implore you as we take communion this morning, as we take the, the, the cracker in and, and take the, uh, the juice as well, reflect on the sacrifice and, and the pursuit that is embedded in that gift of the cross. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your love, for your compassion for each one of us. God, thank you for pursuing us, even when we're running in the opposite direction. I pray that every single person in this room, God, can, can identify ways that we've been running from. We can come to our senses, get up, and run to you, God. Go to you, because we know that what's waiting for us, for us is an embrace. God, thank you for the embrace that is possible through your bloodshed on the cross. Your son, to this we.